0: When Yaakov Abinu had to run away from home in Eretz Yisrael and go to that spiritually desolate place, Choron, it was a terrible spiritual descent for him, but the result was amazing upliftment of himself, of the family that he built, and of the world at large. And that is symbolic of the neshama that also has to leave this incredibly spiritual environment in heaven and enter this world. The question is, is that for its own upliftment? Or is there some deeper message that Hashem expects from us? Let's unpack Yaakov Avinu's story and the lessons that it carries for us. So, if the Psukim, commenting on the Psukim where Yaakov Avinu is on his way out of Eretz Israel, and he says, Vaida Yaakov Nedelemor, Yaakov Avinu makes a, an oath, Im If Debishta will be with me, Vahoya lekim, then Debishta will be my God, Va lekim and this stone that I've made as a monument now will become a home for Hashem in the long term. So, Fregev approached him. various commentaries ask this question. Vikumtes. How does it work? As Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu, such a great individual, made his pledge to do the right thing, to good, do good things, the fact that he was going to make an, a place dedicated to Hashem, the fact that he'd give a portion of his proceeds to Tzedakah, all of that is contingent on Hashem doing something first for him. Is that how it works? So did Yaakov Avinu only serve the Aibisha because he wanted something back in return, the Pras to receive a reward, which Per Kyovas teaches us should never be the motivation for serving Hashem. And the fact that it's such a glaring question implies is den The fact that Yaakov Avinu linked his pledge to do good things. With a particular condition. That should be clear to us then. Yaakov's goal is not that he needs the things that he's asking from Hashem. And in order to ensure that he would receive those things, he figured, let me invest and make a pledge of good deeds. <laughs> if anything, it was the exact opposite. And that's really important for us to remember. Yaakov Avinu's primary goal was to be able to fulfill the things that he was now about to promise to do. The fact that he attached that to a condition, if the will be with me and protect me, etc. is Because he needed those steps to be there in order to be able to fulfill his promise. So it's not that he's saying, if you do for me, I'll do for you. He's saying, I want to do for you. The only thing is that in order to do it, I'm going to need a certain assistance. Let's understand that better. In order to understand it better, we're first going to explore the difference between two classical commentators and how they split up exactly what Yaakov, uh, uh, what Yaakov Avinu said. There are two commentaries we're going to focus on about both the pledge and the conditions rashi learned in rashi's view as that is part of the condition includes and ended in fact it concludes with if hashem will be a god for me then i'll do these things what does it mean hashem will be a god for me that in my family in my children Descendants, nobody will be disqualified. And Yaakov had good reason to worry because, of course, he had a brother Asa and an uncle Yishmoel. So he wants to know that his children are all going to be Hashem's followers. And then, according to Rashi, in the part where he makes his pledge, starts in the next Passock where he says, that this stone which I've made as a monument will become a home for Hashem. Need to hemshachat nayk. Sorry, when the Ramban land, whereas the says, "As vahoy Hashem li lelikim." The fact that he says Hashem will be a God for me is need to hemshachat nayk. Etiv Rashi is not part of the condition, according to Ramban. No, don't wait for nada. That is part of his pledge. I will make Hashem my God. On that night, and therefore, according to the Ramban, the last words of the condition are the last thing that Yaakov requests is that I should come home to my father's house in peace. So, let's analyze the Ramban's approach because the things about it that we have to understand. Most obviously. If, in the Ramban's view, the beginning of Yaakov's pledge is "I will make Hashem my God," so then, ati halukas apsukim gedav zayin in anuifin, then the way the psukim were divided should have illustrated that point it should have been in such a way as the part where Yaakov says Hashem will be my God So from should not have been as it currently is the end of the Pasuk that says and bring me home in peace to my father which is still part of the condition that Yaakov proposed the part that says Hashem is going to be my God should have been the beginning of the next Pasuk that leads into him pledging to build a house for Hashem on the spot which is his promise so why does, how does the Ramban explain how, why the Psukim are split in the way that they are especially when you consider that this idea of accepting Hashem as, as his God according to the Ramban's approach it's not only linked to the idea of making a home for Hashem because they both belong to a promise it's a much deeper connection they both convey the same message to borrow the language of the Ramban I will serve the unique Hashem in this place that I will dedicate as some kind of a shrine some kind of a temple so, if the content is so aligned, they should definitely be in the same posak. So, therefore, Moshein Zog and das Ramban. Therefore, we have to say that even from the Ramban's perspective, as v'ho yavhai lelikim, the fact that Hashem will be my God, as Dosis is for nader, is part in the Ramban's view of the promise. Still, hot in a prat mer shaychus mitnay ve'shafti ve'sholim it still has some way in which it is actually more aligned with the content of Yaakov of Inu, coming home safely, even more, even more than the content of creating a home for Hashem. Which would be the obvious reason why the two of them belong in a Posuk. So what we're suggesting is that the Ramban, unlike Rashi says, that Hashem will be my God is part of Yaakov's promise. And yet there is something about its message that is very closely aligned to the concept of coming back home in peace. And not as closely aligned with the pledge of making a home for Hashem. We need to unpack and understand what that is. Now, Now we've identified, at least according to the Ramban that Yaakov Aminu's promise is split over two psukim. V'hoi Avayi Lelekim is in one pasuk and V'evan Azohi's is in the next pasuk. was in two Sugim in which implies, as we've started to explain, that there are obviously two different components to Yaakov's pledge. One component that is very closely associated with, um, with the Vashafti B'sholem and another component that seems to be independent so, we can apply a similar logic to the conditions that Yaakov put forward. as They're also divided into two psukim. Out of one, Pasuk says, If Hashem will be with me, or shmarani goimen, he will protect me. and She'll give me food to eat and he'll give me clothing to wear. That's one part of the condition that Yaakov expects or hopes for. On base, and a different in a separate Pasuk thing that Yaakov Avinu puts as his condition is that I will come home in peace. And, like Rashi, Oich dem Hashem li and of course, Rashi believes that Hashem will be my God is part of the Tenai if you will be my God and ensure that my future generations are as as committed as I am. So if they're split into two Pasukim, it also mean that there are two components to the Tanai to the conditions that he made. So there is a promise he makes which has two components and there are conditions he asks for which also have two components and we need to understand what they are. You can actually see this illustrated in the wording of the Pasuk. In the first Pasuk, Yaakov Avinu is speaking about the things that Hashem would do for him. Ye you Hashem will be with me. Ushmorani, you will protect me, you will give me food and clothing. Mashenkin and Pasuk, whereas the second Pasuk doesn't highlight the Abishta doing for him as much as the result of what would be done. The second Pasuk in Svetin Pasuk is I will return home. Nitve not you, will bring me back home. Which almost makes it sound like Yaakov's return home would be independent of Hashem. So that's a significant difference. We need to understand that difference. In order to understand it, we're going to explore this principle that Yaakov Avinu going to Khoran was a tremendous descent, but it was for the purpose of a tremendous value that would emerge from it. So what explains everything that's happening over here is, The Yirida von Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu's physical descent, which is, of course, also a spiritual descent, leaving the holiness of, not only Eretz Yisrael, but specifically Be'er Shev, a very tranquil environment, to go to a place outside of the Kedushah of Eretz or Befrat Choron, and out of all the possible destinations outside of Eretz Israel, where does he go? Choron, which Rashi describes as the place that ignites Hashem's anger in the world, that's a tr- terrible Yerida descent for Yaakov Ovenu. The intention behind it is that Yaakov should catapult much higher. in the Aliyah, there are three components to the Aliyah, and that's what we're really going to be focusing on. First of all, the fact that Yaakov could have been there in Choron, which is a bad place, Loven specifically in Lavan's home, which is a very dishonest environment, and is a nit mushba givorin von Zay. Yaakov Avinu was not in any way influenced by that bad environment. On his arose from and was able to leave there free of sin, complete without sin. So having had that challenge and stood his ground, is Yaakov is free kodem ha-yirido. Then for sure Yaakov Avinu is now at a higher level than he was before he ever left Eretz Israel and had such challenges. And that's similar to It's similar to the advantage that a Baal Tshuva has over a Tzadik because as the Gemara tells us that the level at which a Baal Tshuva stands is a level that the Tzadik, even a complete Tzadik, never gets to stand at. Why? It's because the Baal Tshuva had been exposed to and had sampled what Averis feel like. Or for of a and in spite of that temptation and having that flavor, he's pulled back and overwhelmed his Yitzhah horror and not followed in that path. That is a greater achievement than a person who has been protected from that challenge. So Yaakov Avinu in and Bereshit is immune to the challenge. Yaakov Avinu in Choron has stood up to the challenge. That's a much higher level. So the first Aliyah is for Yaakov himself. Second Aliyah is dot dafkate durkifit and tzivoi. It's specifically in the toxic environment of Choron That he fulfills the great mitzvah Of having children And taking over the world That is why he was instructed by his parents To go there to find a wife And he was blessed that he would be fruitful Specifically Yaakov Avinu's success In building a family Is that all of his children were connected to Hashem Unlike the experience of his father and grandfather so the second aliyah for Yaakov is he comes out with a family which is one of the greatest things that a person can do. And lastly, the third area of aliyah is in the language of Lovan, because Yaakov Avinu was involved as a shepherd looking after Lovan's sheep. And he did that for 20 years. Yaakov succeeded in elevating all the lost sparks of holiness that were embedded within Lavan's flocks. And that had such a profound elevation for Yaakov to the extent that he became hugely successful and that's not only materially it means that he had this massive expansive success both materially and spiritually so Yaakov's yirida and the three degrees of his Aliyah that follow as a result of it is a template for how things are in our experience because Maiseo simila bonim, all the stories of our ancestors are indications and are, are an empowerment for our own journeys so he's moving for that reason we can understand as the union from this concept of Yaakov leaving 'er Be'er and going to a horrible place called Choron is something that we play out in our service of Hashem on a personal level and with the is mevor the Rachaim explains as the Possek is Meramez of Kolos Yerides HaNeshama Lemato the Rachaim says 'er is metaphoric of the Neshama leaving Gan Eden in order to enter this world on Funidin in plus it's also indicative of the entire concept of Jews as a nation being out of Eretz Israel in also. It's also designed that it's not for the purpose of descent or for the purpose of deflation, but it's for the purpose of rebound and the purpose of growth beyond exponential growth. If there are three degrees of elevation that Yaakov experienced, of exponential growth, then we can expect that there are three areas of potential exponential growth in her own world as a Neshama living in this body and a Jew living in Golis. But let's look at the Neshama and the body specifically. Our first thing that we have to note is the Neshama is the name of the father of before the Neshama entered this world, when it was still floating around in Ganadin, it was the equivalent of a tzaddik completely immune to anything negative. Like Yaakov Avino in But by virtue of the fact that the Neshama descends into this world and gets wrapped up inside a human body with the distractions of an Nefeshah Bahamis, both of which blur the vision of godliness. And yet, the neshama succeeds in maintaining Torah and mitzvahs in this world. Comes in in ma'ila. The neshama now has an elevation from varuch toshavaylo as the pasuk says that the spirit returns today. From belchuve becomes like a belchuve. So just like Yaakov Al-Vinu, who now had the challenge of Charan, is far superior in his spirituality when he was protected in Eretz Yisrael the neshama, standing standing to the challenges of the guf and is, has advantage over what it was like in Gan Eden that's number one number two literally being in this world just like Yaakov Avinu could now fulfill the mitzvah the key mitzvah of having children so a neshama can only fulfill that mitzvah while in this world on Torah mitzvah and the truth is that applies to all Torah mitzvahs so that's an advantage and the third is, by virtue of the fact that Neshama lives in this world, engages with this world, and uses the elements of this world to serve Hashem, as that helps to transform this world to become Hashem's home, as we call it, a dwelling place for Hashem in the lowest realm. And that catapults the Neshama way higher than it was in Gan Eden, and as we're going to discover, even higher than it is elevated through its own avoida within its own personal journey. The concept of transforming our materialistic world to become Hashem's home, and then of course, by extension, the impact that that has on elevating the neshama, It's a part of how we engage with this world. It's not only doing Torah and Mitzvahs, but it's doing things that are ordinary, neutral things with a spiritual intention, with a holy intention, which is all your actions should be directed towards Hashem. And behold, to acknowledge and know Hashem and everything that you do, has a certain value that is even greater than what we achieve through Torah and Mitzvah. Why? Because by virtue of the fact that a person takes things that are actually in their domain, that they could have used for themselves, money a person could have used for themselves, food they could have just enjoyed for themselves, as the expression goes, your deeds, as the success. says, your ways. And now they become zein Hashem Shemayim, and an ophim fundoeyu. They're directed towards heaven, and they create awareness of Hashem. That creates Hashem's home in the real lowly world, not the world that is reserved already for holiness through Torah and mitzvahs. The part of the world that was never designated for holiness, and now we've brought holiness into that place. That's a real achievement. And so now that we're starting to appreciate that there's an advantage to what we do to serve Hashem in the ordinary world, even over what we do to serve Hashem within the context of teriyah Mitzvah. So now that we know that That illustrates to us that when we have an impact on the world it gives the Neshama greater elevation than even just the fact that the Neshama entered this world and became a Baal because it was confronted with the challenges and distractions of this world and stood its ground. In other words, As long as a Jew is doing a mitzvah, Even if in order to do the mitzvah, the person first has to fight with and overcome the mitzvah, that tries to obstruct doing that mitzvah. So even if that's what it is, any time that a person does a mitzvah, As soon as a person does overwhelm the mitzvah, and therefore, goes ahead to do the mitzvah is toshash Yitzroi. The net outcome is that the Yitzroi, in this context, is neutralized or weakened. Which allows the real motivation of the Jewish person to come to the fore. As the Rambam describes, every Jew really, deep down, wants to do all of the mitzvah, So that can now come to the fore. So the result is, as in Demkim, a mitzvah gufot the yitzhahora can If you do an honest, objective assessment of a mitzvah, a yitzhahora has no place in context of a mitzvah. It doesn't belong to a yitzhahora. This is a Jew who's sidelined the yitzhahora so that their real intention can be revealed and can be applied. I really want to do a mitzvah. Yitzhahora, get out of my way. You have nothing to do this. So technically then, doing a mitzvah is not real Baal Shuvah experience. It's still Tzadik experience because it's my neshama speaking its truth. I haven't really converted anything. But when a person is sitting in their office And their business day is conducted in a way directed towards heaven And whatever a person does Eating, exercising, socializing Is all to be able to create awareness of Hashem Why does a person want to eat? Why does a person want to eat? Because because of the Neshama why well, does a person want money? Because of the neshama? No, it's human nature. I want to eat. I need to survive. I need to have money to be able to, to support my family, and that's all guided with nefesh ha'bahamis. That's all motivated by the nefesh ha'bahamis itself, not like a mitzvah which is motivated by the nefesh Kiss. eating socializing, exercising, making money, is motivated by the Nefesh HaBahamis. Which means that even when the person is so focused, that whatever they're doing is directed towards heaven, and within whatever they're doing, they're acknowledging Hashem, still, they're still called your actions and your ways, because they're, they're the world of, of you, of the conscious you, of the independent, of the egoist. Therefore, when a person succeeds in doing ordinary activities with a higher purpose, Done is the and open a Balchuva. Then not only is the person's generalized experience like a Balchuva, tshuva. There was a challenge, but I overcame the challenge. The person is a Balchuva, I've changed myself. I've transformed my nefesh abrahamis. So impacting the world through ordinary activities with a higher purpose is more of a transformative experience than overriding the Yetzirah so that the neshama can speak its natural truth and do a mitzvah. Let's explain this better. So in order to better explain the advantage of the tshuva or Baal element of taking ordinary things and directing them towards heaven, as opposed to just the tshuva of overwhelming and overcoming the Yetzirah, which is also present when a person does a mitzvah. So to explain that better, let's analyze as follows is we well know that one of the great assets of chuva is the force of chuva. when a person does chuva it brings to the fore just how powerful and immutable that person's connection to as is When a person does tshuva, they illustrate quite clearly that their connection to Hashem was not ruined by the Avera. That's why, despite the Avera and whatever damage you'd expect the Avera to do spiritually, I can still do tshuva. That shows you how strong my connection is. Even the Avera could not break it. The same concept applies to Tshuva when we're describing the Neshama entering our physical world. Being in this world is where you see the real depth and power of the Neshama's connection to Hashem. That even when that Neshama is wrapped up inside a human body and a Nefesh abahamis, and a Yei Zahora even Still connected to Hashem. How do I know? Because it's still doing what Hashem wants. So like Teshuvah that shows me the strength and the power of the connection that even external circumstances and even damaging behaviors can't harm it. So if we're examining the power of the connection, then again, we can appreciate why that is even more profound when a person is doing ordinary activities for Hashem than when they're doing Torah mitzvahs despite the distraction of Yetzirah. Now we can understand the greatness of Teshuvah that is motivated by doing ordinary things towards Hashem as compared to the Teshuvah, Teshuvah meaning the Neshama, overcoming whatever particular challenge it might have and doing what Hashem wants by doing the Teshuvah ter- ter- Mitzvahs. Why is that? Because in the avodah of Torah mitzvahs, through the service of Hashem, which requires studying Torah and doing mitzvahs, zot that take tekefai skushos from the Nishamah in them. That expresses this amazingly powerful connection of the Nishamah to Hashem. The power that the neshama, even when it has to contend with an animal soul and the limitations of a human body, still is able to overcome them and escape their compelling grip to weaken the Yitzhara. But when a person is not only doing terum mitzvahs, but doing ordinary things for the sake of heaven, that means a whole different world not only can the neshama speak its truth despite the opposition the neshama can speak its truth in an environment where the narrative is controlled typically by the nefesh that shows an incredibly powerful connection between the neshama and Hashem alright so what do we have so far and Neshama entering this world Is Yerida Khaliya. There's going to be huge value Every single time that Neshama is able to speak its truth In spite of the opposition of a Yetzarah Deeper and greater than that Is when a person in their world Is doing their things Which are normal things But for Hashem's sake That means that the Yetzar uh, Sorry, that the Nefesh kiss Has taken over The, the voice of the Nefesh Bahamis, And is now controlling a space That typically the Nefesh Bahamis Would have controlled But there's something Even more profound than that even this greatness of the neshama, the greatness of doing something which is permissible, but not mitzvah, for Hashem's sake. That's nothing compared to how much the neshama will be completely rocketed heavenward, when it touches the world, not just my world, the broader world, makes a dirub esach Yaakov Avinu taking love on sheep and converting that into some, not his sheep, love on sheep, and converting that into something that is connected to Hashem. So let's explain how and why that is. One explanation goes like this. The fact that the Neshama is naturally connected to Hashem is exactly that. It's nature. It's part of the Neshama's nature. And therefore, even though the natural connection between the Neshama and Hashem is incredibly powerful, is so powerful that even when you wrap it up inside a body and a Nefesh is it remains strong. As long as this remains the natural reality of the nishama's being, is there has to be some limit to how powerful it could be because it's natural. So as long as a neshama is working within what it can do, what is natural for it, it wants to do Torah so it's doing amazing things within the context of what's natural for a neshama. But once the neshama starts to turn elements of the world out there into vehicles for godliness, that concept was that they should become vehicles for godliness. It's not natural for the Neshama. It's natural for the Neshama to have its connection to Hashem. It's not natural for the Neshama to have the world connected to Hashem, and it's not natural for the world to be connected to Hashem. To the contrary, the reality by nature of the world, which is called world from the word hellem concealment, is a barrier to, an obstruction to godliness so how is it possible to turn the world into, godly, into a godly place it's not possible now it's only possible because of Hashem's koyach. because the oneness of Hashem obviously has no limitations therefore then even the world with all its darkness can become a place of godliness why? because Hashem is so great not because the world is great so therefore, when the neshama succeeds in making the world or a piece of the world into Hashem's home, which really, what does that do? It brings to, into, the, into the open that Hashem's oneness has no restriction, no limits. It's everywhere, even in our world that impacts the Neshama that now the Neshama's connection to Hashem is no longer limited to its personal experience or natural experience but it's now a factor of the Neshama being tied in to Hashem's infinite oneness which now expands the Neshama into a place of infinity So these three degrees of elevation of the neshama Its ability to do terimeters even in the world Its ability to take normal activities of the person and connect them to Hashem And then ultimately its ability to transform the world to become godly So these aliyas which are only accessible once the neshama has descended into this world these aliyas which are only accessible once the neshama has descended into this world Even that is not yet the ultimate reason why the neshama entered this world. So, what is the ultimate reason? In other words, the fact that the neshama will benefit, the fact that the neshama will be transported to a whole different level, is great for the neshama. It's not necessarily the ultimate purpose. What is the ultimate purpose? The Mishnah tells us everything that the Abisha created, created for his honor. The Gemara tells us that I was only created to serve Hashem. So you can just logically understand, the from and you read the that the ultimate purpose of the creation of people and the fact that those people's neshamas entered this world is nitzuliv for the can't be for just the neshama's benefit. it has to be that the ultimate purpose is to do what the Eibushin wants, for his glory and greatness, and the I was created. To service their greatness. Now, in you can see something similar described in tanya. the al makes it very clear that the neshama's descent into this world is not intended for the neshama's benefit. The reason the neshama enters this world, AlTreba makes it clear, is for the benefit of the body. The Nefesh Bahamis and the world. Le to link them. or and to unite them. But you don't say Hu, with Abish's infinite light. That fulfills Abish's desire to have a home in this world. Okay, so yes, there's huge benefit to the Neshama. That is not the purpose. Purpose is to do what the Abishta wants. And therefore, it says, No, I said, So it happens that the Neshama is the catalyst to make all these things happen and to transform the world into a godly place. So, therefore, the Neshama naturally will receive an infinite a degree of reward, which is the which means that the neshama will naturally be elevated infinitely. So if that's the case, let's ask ourselves this question. If we're saying that the ultimate purpose is not the aliyah of the neshama, but is fulfillment of Hashem's objective. So how do you explain what it says in many, many places? We always say it. That the reason the neshama enters the down into this world, down, descends into this world, is in order to elevate. Which implies that the fact that the neshama also gets an aliyah is not an also. the It's actually the purpose of why it descended into the world in the first place. So which one is it? Are we here in this world to elevate our neshamas? Or are we here in this world through the various avoidance that we do? Or are we here in this world purely to satisfy Hashem's objectives? So at least the the, 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 the the kernel of what this is all about, and it's based on a mime so, you can imagine that there's a lot more detail. We well know that when we speak about the concept of the Abish to having a home in the lowest reality, One of the explanations is that it's only in the lowest realm that it is possible to have a place that is home to Hashem himself, to Hashem's essence. Why would that be? You'd expect that the heavens surely should be a great place to accommodate a divine abode, a home for Hashem. Why in the lowest realm? Because in the lowest realm. Because the reality of heavens is it's a place of divine revelation. And divine revelation is graded. There are different kinds of divine revelation. And each one has its power and its limits on power. In our lowly world there is no revelation. There's nothing being shared. And therefore we don't get distracted by the greatness, the fanciness, the power, the inspiration. And we connect directly to Hashem's essence. On their Indians, that concept, which is actually a radical concept in Hasidus, that access to Hashem's essence happens only here in the lowest realms because Hashem's essence is most found accessible in the lowest realms, is because only in this world is it possible to reach the state of complete surrender and submission, to recognize there is nothing but God. the Which is totally different to the spiritual realms. In the spiritual realms, the assessment of everything is it's as if it doesn't exist. Everything that is close to Hashem. Is considered like nothing. In this world, it's possible to reach the point of not just we're like nothing, to reach the point there is nothing other than God. Considering that Hashem didn't want the home He was going to have in the lowest realms to be His creation, but rather to be our achievement through our avoider, So then the methodology that we use to create this home has to reflect what the home is going to look like and therefore it requires us to be in a state of complete surrender to Hashem. To reach ideally the kind of surrender to Hashem which is the kind of surrender that says almost as if we could experience there is nothing else besides Hashem. As I the battle for naevat Poshut, like the battle of a simple servant. He's not like a more senior servant, you know, who's got a higher rank in the household, who appreciates the greatness of the master and is therefore passionate to dedicate himself to the master. This is a simple servant who understands pretty much nothing. Now, he just knows there is a master and that's all that counts. There's a master. There's nothing else to consider. There's a master, you serve him and finished. And that's the goal of where we want to get to. There's an Eberstedt, there's nothing else, and that's who we serve. Based on that, we can make a very important distinction. It's the fact that there are many sources in Torah that, that indicate that the goal and purpose of an neshama entering this lowly world is for the neshama to be elevated that is forbidden that was what stated Tanya as he rides in a shaman matis be to through for in the caravan of the bathahtaine that's if we're talking in the context of what altereva says that the only reason an ashama enters this world is to be able to create a home for Hashem in this world warum die alisa na shama is doch was sie zu zu beginnen es because what's the goal bring an ashama into this world and it can attain this principle of of as i avoid this need with sadar metsius where the neshama won't just do what is natural for it—natural, natural—to have a connection to Hashem through doing mitzvahs. No But the goal is that it should be doing what Hashem wants to illustrate Hashem's oneness. Not because it's natural for me as a neshama to be magnetized towards Hashem, but rather because there's an avodah to illustrate that there is nothing else but Hashem, and therefore I must do what the wants and therefore when we're talking about that we're saying that the goal of the neshama entering this world is not just that it should gain aliyah but rather that it should achieve complete submission and surrender to whatever Hashem wants that's actually the objective Now that we understand that there are two seriously different or subtly different but serious components of what it means to serve Hashem that the Neshama comes down into this world and it benefits but the ultimate is actually not the benefit of the Neshama but rather the expression of Oid, the Eivishter's goal which is that our world which is not distracted by the great lights of spiritual revelations, should become the place which is the ultimate home of Hashem. With this information, we can go back to Yaakov and the four components of the two elements of his promise and the two elements of the Tanoim that he expected. Said We can understand the two components of the conditions he made, which is Aleph, Yelikibi, Modish, Marani, goyim that you should protect me, and be with me on the one hand and on the other hand boy provide for me then a second concept of the Tanai, or on in base independently that I'll return in peace to my father's home as we mentioned before the fact that those two are brought in two separate psukim indicates that they're two separate messages on side, it's the and we can also analyze the two components of Yaakov's pledge. The Ramban telling us that there are two separate components. Aleph, the one being that show, I'll take Davish as my God commitment. On base and separately, I'll turn a piece of this world into Hashem's home. Which we can also uh, distinguish as two separate things because they're in two separate Psukim. We already said right from the beginning that we shouldn't mistakenly believe that Yaakov was most interested in the conditions being fulfilled and was trying to buy his way to get those bruchas by making a promise to do certain things. It's the opposite. He wanted the opportunity to commit to Hashem through those promises and therefore daven that he should be able to be facilitated with these conditions. So with that in mind, that Tanai is not a vague that the, the condition is only the way to achieve the fulfilment of his pledge. And when you add to that, our analysis of the fact that the Nashama descending into this world is for two different reasons one reason being so that the neshama should be elevated way beyond what it was before and base primarily to be able to turn this world into Hashem's home which therefore implies that there are also two modes of avoida that the neshama has to do the primary part that elevates the neshama Is Torah and mitzvahs And the part that starts to impact the world Which is ordinary activities being directed heavenward So with all that information The result has to be as That the two parts of Yaakov Avinu's sets of conditions Speak to these two types of avoida Let's see how And you'll actually see it quite easily in the words the first part of the condition is That Debisha should protect him and provide for him That is a request for Hashem's help To stay away from that which is negative and unhealthy To avoid Averas That's under the blanket of Ushmorani. That Debisha should protect me Protect me from what? From Averas and in that same passage, he's also asking for help to be able to do Torah and mitzvahs in the positive. Which is, lechem as we know in Tanya, that Torah is compared to food and mitzvahs are compared to garments. So that's the first request that he has. Assist me in the avoider of Torah and mitzvahs, because as we've identified, that is the first arena in which the Nishama has to do its avoid in this world. Get past the distractions of the Yetzirah and do Torah mitzvahs anyway. So, Hashem, please help me with that. That's Yaakov's first request. Then Then he asks, please allow me to come home to my father's home in peace. That the that describes how he's going to engage the parts of the world that are not automatically Torah mitzvahs. Vasisdukmasin Chuva Vashafti, which, as we've described, is much more similar to chuvah. What's chuvah? Where well, you transform that which was negative to become positive. You transform the materialism of this world to become catalysts for godliness. Therefore, the word is veshafti to return. Even though, what drives a person to eat, to run a business, to exercise, to socialize, etc. That's what my Nefesh HaBahams wants. Yet, this is a person who is able to avoid being dragged down into something negative through those behaviors. And therefore he is, what Shalom, to come back in peace? Shalom in achet that he should be immune to Averi, that he wouldn't learn this as part of his prayer, he shouldn't be affected by Lovan's behavior. Saying what protects the person from not being schlepped into the toxic behaviors that are associated with personal pleasures or personal needs. Why? Because he was never interested in himself. It was all directed towards heaven. So the two noim that Yaakov describes effectively Capture the two types of avoida, Torah and Mitzvahs, and Kom Hasech On avoida, because he's got this dual approach in how he's going to serve Hashem, brengen tzutzu di von they bring about the fulfillment of the two parts of what he describes as his pledge. The which is supposed to describe remember the pledge is where we want to get to I want to be able to do these things so I want to be able to fulfill the purpose of why my neshama came into this world so what are the two steps first of all the bishop should become my personal God it should be real to me that describes the aliyah for mention the neshama the fact that the neshama should now be elevated for having engaged the savoyda. And then the next step of the goal is that the physical stone should turn into Hashem's home which is to make a home for Hashem in this world. Now, we've already described earlier what is the ultimate elevation of the neshama, not just simply to reveal its nature in an environment that isn't inclined to its nature, but rather to get the neshama to go beyond its natural composure. To serve Hashem not because it is natural to do so, because it's what the Ebishta wants. It's the recognition of the fact that Eibusha is everywhere. there is nothing else, and therefore Eibusha is in every part of the world, even in the physicality of this world. which are not naturally godly. That's why the order of how this is presented in the pasuk fits exactly that story. the fact that Eibusha should become my God. Is part of the conversation about turning the the, the stone into a home for Hashem. Ramban. Let's go back to the language that the Ramban used, which we mentioned earlier. I will serve the unique One God in the place of this stone, which will be transformed for me into a house of God. In other words, on vizi is He's illustrating over here that his avoider wouldn't just be in the context of his natural nishama position, but rather but rather be this revolution, a stone that becomes a house of God. the fact that a stone could become a home for God. It's not because of the the nature of my neshama It's because of the fact that the Beshter is everywhere And everything is one with Hashem Yet, in spite of the fact that the Ramban says Is already part of the Nader, I'll take Hashem as my God It's still included in the Pasuk together with the B'Shafti B'Shalem which is the message of the T'nai, the condition that Yaakov made. Not in the same Pasuk that speaks about the stone being transformed. Why is that? We've already explained that yes, the benefit to the Neshama Is that the Neshama will be elevated But the goal and purpose of the Neshama entering in this world Is not for the sake of the Neshama's Aliyah But the ultimate goal is to be able to fulfill Hashem's dream, so to speak Of having a home in this world Therefore, the concept of saying that the Hebrews should be my God, even though that is a natural result of the fact of the person doing Avoida that the Neshama is elevated, that is in a certain way is more aligned. It's more aligned in the sense that it's not yet the ultimate goal. It still belongs in the world of what I'm doing. I'm not yet at the goal. Even when the neshama is being elevated, I'm still not yet at the ultimate goal. And that's not quite yet like the ultimate goal, which is that the stone itself becomes godly. The world itself becomes a dirbetach And the truth is we can even align this with Rashi. Even from Rashi's perspective, as that the concept where Yaakov says that Hashem should be my God is neat de nether. it's not part of his pledge, not that but part of what he was requesting. It's still a detail, in It's still a detail, not of the avoyda part of what the neshama has to do down here on earth, nor in daliyavas Even Rashi would acknowledge it is a detail of what's going to happen to the Neshama, similar to what the Ramban actually said. Why is that? The way Rashi explains it, which is that his request means that David's name should be with me and my family and never be lost. And not only should Nebuchadnezzar's name be part of my journey right now at the beginning where I'm here, but all the way down at the end, so to speak, of the journey. Even in his children and their children. It's the only way to get that lasting degree of connection to Hashem would require that the person is working in a way that's not restricted just to their nature. Because then the nature of things is that they don't extend to the next generation. So it has to be without agbolos, the, the concept that we're describing over here, then Hashomer doing what Hashem wants because it's what Hashem wants. And those was the in so then why does Rashi include this part, that Hashem will be my God, as part of the condition rather than the promise Yaakov Avinu is making? It's not the way that the Ramban explained it. It's because Rashi says the fact that the Neshama will be elevated is still not the goal. And it's only a preparation for the goal, which is, you basically came to transform the world in, in Yaakov's context, the stone into Hashem's home, so it doesn't belong in the part that's talking about the ultimate purpose. One last point, which is just to distinguish between the perspective of Rashi and the perspective of the Ramban, and therefore why Rashi sees as part of the, part of the request, and the Ramban sees it as part of the promise, It's because the Ramban, although the Ramban explains the simplest understanding of the Pesukim, he doesn't limit himself to that. In his introduction, he says that he also brings, so to speak, beautiful insights that appeal to people who appreciate deeper concepts. People who appreciate deeper concepts, that is similar to living in heaven and having spiritual revelation. It's very exciting and it's very meaningful, but it's also a little, in a sense, Self interested, and if you're living in that world where you're also looking for personal elevation, then if your neshama is elevated, that's actually part of the journey, part of the purpose of the journey ostensibly only looks at the simple understanding of the Pasuk but that's actually where you get the most profundity remember it's in the lowest world that you get Hashem's essence so Rashi who looks at the simple understanding of the Pasuk which represents serving Hashem as that simple servant without questions without expectations without inspiration just simply doing and recognizing there's a master and that's it he's not looking for anything for himself on only wants to fulfill the 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 the, the, um, the the expectations and the the aspirations of his master. So therefore, the fact that his neshama would be elevated cannot be part of the goal. That's part of the preparation. The goal is what does Eibushna want? That's what Rashi teaches us.